Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rude Horror Podcast. I'm Marcus Rude, and I just want to say I hope everybody had a good holiday season. And uh, I know this is like a couple days after Christmas. I was trying to get this episode uh, published before Christmas, but it just didn't work out that way. So at least I'm giving you a Christmas-themed horror movie to talk about around the holiday so uh in before new year's i debated whether or not i should do a new year a new year's uh theme movie to talk about but uh it's just been chaos over at my house so i just really haven't been able to uh to really dig into some of these movies um this episode is actually supposed to be the crazies uh, the George Romero's crazies, but uh, I, last year I did do a couple Christmas-themed movies, and I kind of wanted to keep that going, so um, I want to talk about Silent Night, Bloody Night, which is a movie I had never seen before, and this was a, they're calling it an American slasher film from 1972, but uh, this one really feels more like a Jalo film not really a slasher uh even though there are you know i guess it is a slasher but uh the elements really seem more like a shallow film so uh i would kind of put it more into that kind of film but uh but anyways uh the crazies will be next for sure uh I, I do have big plans for that one, and uh, you know, I uh, <laughs> I don't want to let anybody down as far as uh, making the vote on the crazies. That one is coming, I promise. I just wanted to put up a holiday themed one right around the holidays, just to kind of keep uh, that tradition going. I guess. I mean, over at uh, the Tract website, like T R A K T. I don't know if any of you use that platform as far as keeping up to date with what movies you watch. And, uh, you know, I I like Letterboxd a lot too, but I feel like Tracked has way more um, options as far as they have a lot more movies, like the more obscure movies that Letterboxd don't have, and also TV shows. It, It has everything. So... I, I really enjoy Tracked. If you guys are ever into um, organizing like what you already own, like there's a collections uh, button. So like, you know, if there's a movie you own, you can press on the collection button and uh, you can kind of keep track of everything you owned. So like I'm like a big movie buff. I have uh, easily over 2,000 movies in growing. So... Sometimes it's hard to keep track of uh, things I've already had or that I already have, and with Tracked, uh, I'm able to to see what I do own. So if uh, someone recommends a movie, you're like, "Oh, I don't know if I have that," or you know, I'm pretty good about knowing if I do have a movie or not. But sometimes uh, it is nice to get a little reassurance, and uh, I I went through like all my movies and have added everything on there that uh that's available on there and it pretty much has everything so it's badass and no track did not uh 
have uh, pay me to talk about them. I'm just talking about them because I recommend checking it out. And uh, so anyways, I'm talking about Tracked because I end up making a Christmas horror movie list. And it's a public list. You can follow me. Uh, my username is RudeHorror90. If you want to add me as a friend on there, follow me. I have a list on there. It compiles like every Christmas horror movie and it's like over 110 movies and I'm sure I'm missing some. So check out my list. If, if you see any that I've missed, uh, comment in the, uh, in the list section or just message me or whatever. And I like to try to update those as, as much as I can. And, you know, if new movies come out or, uh, you know, just ones that aren't on my list, I like to just kind of keep that updated and you know if you're uh, a movie buff like me you kind of want to check out uh you know especially like christmas horror movies you know a lot of people don't think that there's that many but uh you know there there really is if you really do some research there really is a lot of horror movies that talk about uh that you know have like the christmas theme going on and uh you know a lot of them are not good. I I will say that up front. But then there's a lot of good ones. Like, uh, you know, I'm going to hold up uh, Black Christmas, Bob Clark's Black Christmas from 1974. I hold that very high on the list. Probably my favorite Christmas horror movie. And uh, <laughs> Matt Gagney will probably uh, uh, hold an argument about that because I know uh, Christmas Evil is his favorite uh, horror Christmas film of all time. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but uh, uh, I, I know you hold that one very high on the list. So, uh, yeah, uh, which, you know, I, I, I hold that high up on the list as well, but I don't know if that one's my favorite Christmas horror movie of all time. Maybe we'll have a debate about that one of these days. But, um, yeah, uh, some other ones, like, I mean, obviously, like, Krampus is a newer one, but, uh, I think Krampus is, it's a good, like, family horror movie. Like, I watched that with my 12-year-old daughter, and she absolutely loves it. I end up buying her a copy because she likes it so much. And, uh, Gremlins, I mean, the, that's another good holiday Christmas family film. And, uh... Let's see, some of the other Christmas horror films, like Dial Code Santa Claus, that's a newer favorite of mine that I discovered last year, and I have an episode about it from last year. It's a great film. If you've never watched it, I I highly recommend it if you're into the Christmas horror uh, type genre. And um, it is uh, a French film. So there's French language, but if you get uh, like uh, Vinegar Syndrome's release of Dial Code Santa Claus, like I just picked that up recently, and it's just it's just fucking stunning looking and uh, it's amazing. But if you can do subtitles, you know there is English subtitles. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's a great one. And then. Uh, Last year I talked about Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, Initiation. Um, it's It kind of follows the uh, same pattern with the one I'm going to talk about today. Is 
there's very limitations to uh, Christmas theme, even though there is things in there that make it Christmas. Uh, but you know, they that's the likeliness of uh, the one that I talked about last year, and uh, the one I'm talking about today is just uh, how very little Christmas it feels, but uh, there is enough to make it a quote-unquote Christmas horror movie. Uh, Like, I would say, uh, so talking about the movie I'm going to talk about today, Silent Night, Bloody Night. (laughs) I I was almost going to say Silent Night, Deadly Night, but I'm glad I caught myself. Anyways, uh, like the things that tie into Christmas is them mentioning uh, things that happen on Christmas Eve and around Christmas time. And uh, sometimes you'll just kind of hear Christmas music playing in the background very creepily. Sort of in the same sense uh, of Bob Clark's Black Christmas. And there is some other elements that makes this movie in Black Christmas uh, very much alike. Um, I forgot if I mentioned this, but uh, I was not really a fan of this movie. And I'm a huge fan of the Bob Clark's Black Christmas. Even though this movie came out before Black Christmas. There's just... Uh, I guess it's the way that this movie presented itself. Uh there was just a lot of things I was not interested in and I was losing my interest quite a bit during this movie. It was uh, honestly pretty rough to get through. Um, but, Blob, uh, but Bob Clark's Black Christmas definitely has a lot more things to keep interest in. But yet, um, you know, I guess I could say spoilers because this movie came out in what 1972 it was actually uh finished filming in 1970 but was released in 1972 uh but i just want to say i just want to talk about uh the uh similarities between this one and black christmas just because i i just feel like that's more interesting than some of the other stuff i'll probably be talking about but like uh for instance the phone call in the way that uh the bad guy quote unquote for silent night bloody night he sort of talks in a similar way that what you will hear in uh black christmas even though i think black christmas executed everything very well uh, rather than uh this film uh there's just so much wrong with this film uh production wise like uh just the how would i word this like the audio was like very crackly like it sounded like i was watching like the grindhouse trailer intros where it has like that really loud crackly sound um just that really vintage sound um i you know like i i i get it it is kind of like a cool like sound in a way but when you have to hear that sound like throughout the whole entire movie it just the quality just sounded really bad in that sense and 
I was really turned off by it. I mean, I, you know, don't get me wrong. There are some films that have similar things like that in the movie. I don't mind, but I don't know. I guess just sitting and watching this movie this time around, I just, I, I didn't enjoy that. And, uh, I know a lot of this was, uh, dubbed over as far as like, you know, they, they redid their audio, um, after production or after filming. And, uh, John Carradine, I guess a, uh, he, you know, not spoiler alert, but he's in the movie and, uh, he plays a mute character and apparently there is no actual, like, uh, audio of him. Like he never really did like the grunts and, uh, just the little sounds that he makes in the movie that was never actual audio that he did on the set. It was all basically, he was like a mute. He didn't make a sound during the filming of this until after when they did like the, uh, the overdub. Uh, I think he had made those, those sounds and whatnot, but otherwise, um, yeah, he, uh, did not, uh, make a peep on the set to where they kept any of that audio. <laughs> take it take it as is if you if you like the information, uh awesome. But anyways, uh this film was also called Night of the Dark Full Moon. And then uh it was a couple of years later uh, released as Silent Night Bloody Night. Uh, one of the stars of the the film, James Patterson, who plays Jeffrey Butler, uh, actually died of cancer several months after production was complete, and his lines were overdubbed by another actor. Uh, so I that was information I did not know myself. And he did play in a couple other movies. Uh, but nothing really horror related. This was the first movie to be released by Canon Distribution Company. So that's something very interesting. And this was the final film of the actress Candy Darling. Who played a guest in this movie. And she's been in several Andy Warhol movies. And uh, if you do some research on this movie, there's actually uh, several actors and actresses that have worked in uh, Andy Warhol movies. And uh, I want to mention there's uh, one of the inmates in this movie who goes by uh, Ondine, uh, who has worked in uh, Andy Warhol films, but... One thing that I thought was kind of, uh, I don't know, odd or whatever, uh, he claimed to have met him in 1961 at an orgy. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't find that fascinating or interesting or anything, but I just thought that was just kind of a, something random. But, uh, at the same time, definitely sounds like something that would happen in the sixties. And, uh, it's just, I don't know, weird. I don't know. 
Um, uh, going on to someone else though, uh, Philip Bruns. I don't know if that name sounds familiar to you, but he plays Wilfred Butler in this film, and he actually plays Doc Mandel in Return of the Living Dead Part Two. So when when I seen that information, uh, it kind of like, I guess like, hit me with like, oh, okay, now I, uh, I you know I didn't put two and two together because, you know, he definitely looked a little bit younger in Silent Night Bloody Night and just, you know, didn't think anything of it. So that's cool to know that he's in it. I'm a fan of Return of the Living Dead Part Two. I know a lot of people talk shit about it. But I mean, come on. There's there's a lot of fun elements to it. Does every horror movie have to make complete sense? I mean, it's just it's a fun ride of a movie. And there's zombies. There's very cool uh, special effects in that movie. Is it better than the first one? Of course not. But I I still like to have fun with it, and I watched that at an early age. I actually bought my local Blockbuster's copy of Return of the Living Dead Part 2 when they were going out of business. Uh, I can't remember if I so, uh, said this story on, on here, but, you know, back when Blockbuster was going out of business, they were selling a lot of their VHS tapes and whatnot. And uh, I think I, I only had like a few dollars on me, so... uh one of the end caps they had some horror movies and like right there together they had uh return of living dead part two and uh tom savini's night of the living dead remake uh both uh are pretty like sun faded so they were uh pretty close to a window at, at some time at the video store but uh i i picked them up i think they're a couple bucks a piece and you know at the time being a kid, you don't really have a whole lot of money. So, you know, there's a lot of movies I wish I probably would have bought. But uh, I'm glad I did pick those up so I can kind of hold a little piece of, uh, I don't know, local movie rental history. And uh, even though the cases aren't the greatest, they're just those, you know, couple movies I'll never get rid of. If I end up coming across, like, some really nice mint copies of those movies, I'll probably... Those are probably the the two movies that I would have doubles of and keep just you know just to keep that uh you know childhood memory or whatever but uh but yeah and uh at some point I'm going to talk about uh Tom Savini's Night of Living Dead with uh one of my buddies Matt Cheaper who uh I went to high school with you know I've known him for many many years he's a hilarious guy he's quite the character so uh it'll be fun to have him on and i look forward to that episode uh don't know when it's gonna happen but uh uh you know i've been talking to him and uh, i think that's the movie we uh we chose to to pick as our topic so should be fun but uh, I don't want to move away from the cast because there are uh, a couple cast members that uh, I feel like I should mention 
Patrick O'Neill being the uh, top build guy. He plays John Carter in this movie. And uh, one of the other, I guess, big horror movies he's been in is The Stuff, which I'm sure a lot of you are big fans of The Stuff. I enjoy The Stuff. <laughs> um, he's also in The Stepford Wives, the original Stepford Wives. And uh, Under Siege with Steven Seagal. I know it's not horror, but I just wanted to throw that out there. And he's been he's been in some other things. Nothing worth uh, mentioning at this time, I guess. But I gotta mention uh, Mary Warrenov, who plays Diane Adams in this film. Uh, the younger generation. I mean, I, I am a young generation still, but uh, the younger might not know who she is by the name. But, uh, you know, if you like uh, cult films and even like The House of the Devil, she plays Mrs. Allman in that, which is the the, the wife of the elderly couple where uh, Samantha goes to uh, quote-unquote babysit at that house. She plays a very creepy character in that film, and I fucking love The House of the Devil. So being able to see a younger version of her in Silent Night, Bloody Night was uh, very cool and something I wasn't expecting. Uh, she's also played in The Devil's Rejects, Chopping Mall, Dick Tracy, Night of the Comet, Terror Vision, uh, Warlock, Tons, uh, tons of films. I could just, <laughs> again, I could just go on. Uh, but she's kind of a uh, a cult actress in a way. One that you really don't uh, hear a whole lot about. But, uh, you know, she definitely is uh, someone who, I, you know, is somewhat, I think, important in the, in the uh, horror history Rome <laughs> uh, I do want to mention uh, the director I, I was like mentioning the directors Theodore Gershoni is the director of this film and he hasn't really done a whole lot of uh, horror stuff but he did do an episode I believe it's an, an episode of uh, Tales from the Dark Side uh, but, uh, he was, uh, reading in the, uh, letterboxed credits, uh, one of his episodes or one of his shorts are in, uh, Stephen King's Golden Tales that was released in 1985. And, uh, upon looking at this, uh, Jodie Foster also directed an episode on that. So that's very cool. I, uh, didn't know she could direct. <laughs> I guess I never really just like looked it up, but uh, I guess that's kind of cool to, to know that she directed an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. But uh, yeah, this as far as uh, the director goes of this movie, this is uh, Theodore's. Uh, I don't know, like full feature horror film. Now, you know, I, I did say that I wasn't a fan of this film. And uh, and honestly, I don't know if I would ever watch it again. 
but uh, there was maybe a f- couple parts, like some of the kills, some of the bloody scenes looked okay. Uh, but it's is nothing to to run home to and brag about. Um, I don't know. I just it, it's just it's just one of those films. I and then uh, you know towards the end, it's sort of explaining everything right at the end. It's just kind of like I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know. I just. I just wasn't a fan of it, all right? But, uh, you know, one of the producers of this film, Lloyd Kaufman, was one of the producers of this. I thought that was uh, interesting for uh, someone of uh, Lloyd's character. You would have thought that uh, he wouldn't uh, have his name on something like this. But, uh, you know, it, it's... there. There's, uh, you know, I... <laughs> I think the history of this film is a little bit more interesting than the actual film. And uh, just kind of, I wouldn't say this was like a blueprint for uh, Black Christmas, but uh, Black Christmas did get a few things from this movie that I recognized, including like the phone calls, uh, the the Jallo approach of this a little bit. Um, and even like the Christmas music, how they kind of use the Christmas music to uh, make make it sort of eerie. Uh, you know, you kind of get a little bit of that for Black Christmas. But, but all in all, I think Black Christmas is the superior movie. And uh, without a doubt, you know, I... Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not talking shit about the people that that worked on this on this film, but uh, just you know my personal opinion, I didn't really care for this one a whole lot. But there are definitely things that I can appreciate from it, and uh, and to building up to uh, you know horror that is to become the horror that we know. Uh, I you know I think it just it's just a piece in the puzzle that uh is ever growing that is the horror genre and so it is a uh you know a respectable piece in that sense i don't know if that makes sense to you but uh makes sense to me and this film is also uh uh never registered with the united states copyright office so this fell into public domain. So if you feel like uh wanted to show this to your friends on uh uh say uh a movie party night, uh no one's gonna come after you that I know of. So there you go. Watch it at uh maybe uh <laughs> wink wink Jason over at uh horror movie nights and rock Roz Talks. Maybe uh maybe that's one to add on the list for a uh horror movie night over there that whenever uh covid fucking ends and uh we're able to actually go to events with people uh you know horror movie nights over in Roz talks was always a lot of fun and it's always free to get in so all i have to do is show up and uh you know if you want to indulge in uh some adult beverages or they have teas 
uh, you know, they make food there as well. Uh, it's always just a, a good place to go to and, uh, and talk to some of my horror friends, you know, horror buddies and, uh, and we always, you know, throw up shit that we want to sell or trade or whatever. So there's always a table full of goodies where you can buy from, trade from. There's always a pretty good selection of movies being played. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. I I miss those days, and I hope we're able to get back to them sooner than later. Uh, you know, just it's you know, I just miss those times, and I don't want them to uh, go away forever, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah. Also. Uh, you may have heard me say John Carradine earlier. He plays Charlie Towen or Towman in this movie, and he's basically like a, a mute in this film. And you know, I already kind of spewed off what his character is kind of like. But I mean, he's a guy that is like a horror legend. He doesn't really need, uh, you know, he's got over two hundred fifty films to his to his name to his credit. So I'm not going to name off everything, obviously, but uh, I would say, like, the important ones, you know, if you love horror, uh, he was in The Bride of Frankenstein, uh, the original Invisible Man. Uh, he's, you know, he's been in a lot of some of the uh, considered original Universal Monster films, and as well as uh, some of the later entries, like uh, some of the Hammer films. I mean, the guy was an absolute legend. He also had some uh, some scenes from Jacko that I, I talked to my buddy Matt from over at Funbox Monster Podcast. He was in that one, uh, so to speak, even though the movie came out like seven years after he died. But anyways, he was in that one that uh, we talked about on the show. I mean, you know, he's he's been in a shitload of movies. I'm sure you know who he is. His uh, his son is David Carradine, who's been in a shitload of movies, like the Kill Bill movies. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not gonna go on about him because he's not in this. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a shitload of movies that he's made that uh, just makes him really important. And uh, it was it was nice to see a familiar face on this movie, even though. Uh, Upon further uh, research, I, I do uh, notice some of the other actors, like, you know, Mary Warrenoff. I didn't really quite, I mean, uh, she looked familiar when I watched this, but I, you know, I didn't put two and two together that she was in, uh, like, The House of the Devil. And, uh, and you know, like, Philip Brunn doing uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2. It's just, you know. John Carradine had that name where I knew who he was uh, before even really seeing him on the movie. Once I seen he was in it, I was like, yeah, I know who he is. So, uh, hey, you know you've done something important when people know who you are when you haven't even seen you on the the screen, right? That's That would be uh, something I would consider being proud of. Um... Yeah, I'm like rambling on like 40 minutes about just <laughs> facts of this movie. Um, 
I'm going to talk about the movie a little bit. As far as uh, what happens during the movie, I'm not going to get into like too crazy details, but uh, just kind of cover some of the highlights. And, uh, you know, like with me, I, I like talking about the movie as far uh like going into detail as far as like the people involved in the film because i just i think it's really cool to talk about uh uh just the people who are involved in like a specific film and then seeing everything else that uh you know like some of the other movies that they've worked on or projects and uh just kind of get a sense of of where their career goes and like you know who who they work with communicate with uh i i just i find that all very interesting and uh you know because i mean there's like a million horror podcasters out there that'll talk about the movie or a specific movie and just talk about everything that goes on in the movie and that's fine and dandy uh but i just i kind of like to elaborate a little bit on uh who's in the movie and uh you know where maybe you have seen them before or you know just maybe that kind of sparks your interest to check out some of the other films that the actresses actress or actors have worked in uh you know there might be like a really good uh actor like say like dick miller for instance he's fucking uh great in gremlins right and uh in that little cameo in chopping mall but uh you know you do you remember him in uh the terminator i mean you probably remember him in the terminator terminator but uh you know it's just like someone like him he's such a great actor he doesn't even need to be in the fucking movie for you know an hour half an you know and a half hour to an hour at a time it's just all he needs to be is like in one scene and he just fucking makes that film so much better uh <laughs> i mean i know it, it's you know talking about the terminator it's such a simple scene where he's in being the the gun shop owner but uh you know when you put a face like him in a movie uh just i don't know uh the richness of the movie it just kind of goes up like just i don't know the star power goes up a little bit even though uh you know history shows that uh you know arnold ended up being a mega blockbuster superstar and uh you know a lot of the actors went on to do uh aliens for james cameron and they all made names for themselves it's you know it's just it's really cool to see like guys that really do have big names in films and play small parts but yet make a big impact on the film and that's kind of like what John Carradine is for this movie uh you know you know like you know I'll say like I'm 30 so I'm sort of a younger generation so when I go back to watch some of these older films I honestly don't really know a lot of these actors. Um, you know, there's a lot that I do know, but then there's a lot that's like, 
uh, maybe he looks familiar. Maybe I've seen him in something. Uh, but then, you know, you get like uh, John Carradine, for instance. He was in this film briefly, but just his presence alone makes it to where you kind of get invested in the film a little bit more just because you know who he is. And uh, it's uh, it's cool to see him play in, in some of these smaller roles. And, uh, you know, he, he's, I guess what I'm trying to get is he's kind of the Dick Miller of uh, Silent Night, Bloody Night. He kind of just has these small roles, but it makes a big impact, if, if that makes sense. Uh, I do know the budget of this film was $295,000, which for 1970, it's, you know, it's it's quite a bit of money, I would say. I'm not like a, a fucking Wall Street dude that knows fucking facts about money and shit, but... With the price of inflation now, I you know off the top of my head, I would say that's pretty uh, <laughs> you know two two hundred ninety five thousand dollars right now sounds like a lot of fucking money to me. So <laughs> um, it's just it's really sad to to uh, to see that they did put a lot of money into this, and it just. You know, again, my opinion. I didn't, I didn't think this was a great movie, and uh, you know, I think a lot of that money probably went to like, you know, John Carradine and some of these actors because uh, there really wasn't a whole lot of, uh, you know, I guess maybe the location shots might have cost a lot, but uh, like the special effects and whatnot, like the practical effects. It looked pretty cheap. I don't think they spent a whole lot of money on those. But uh, that's that's sort of my uh, little ramble bit there. Um, <laughs> hope, hope all of you are still with me. But uh, I'm going to kind of go through the movie a little bit. If uh, you want to stick around and uh, just kind of go through some of the scenes. And then uh, this is going to be the first time that uh, I'm going to add a new segment on my show. I'm going to call it the Rude Horror Music Corner. And I'm going to showcase an artist or band that, uh, you know, is is okay with me uh, putting a song on uh, my episodes or uh you know just wants to maybe get their name out there and get a little bit of of exposure uh i'm just i'm just all about helping out uh uh you know really really anybody you know i'm a helping person for the most part but uh you know i i've been in band bands and bands for uh years and uh i know how it is trying to get uh, your name out there and how hard it is and you know I never really had an outlet to help uh, or you know to get my name out there 
a whole lot. So, you know, I feel like I want to give back to uh, artists as well. Uh, mostly want to uh, kind of showcase like metal bands or uh, bands that have uh, horror themed songs in a way. Uh, that's kind of like where the main focus is. I mean, obviously this is a horror podcast, so I want to try to give you something, uh, you know, in the same light as, uh, the horror genre. So, uh, but I mean, Hey, just reach out to me and, uh, I'll see if I can fit you in an episode and try to help you guys, you know, try to, um, get you some more exposure and, uh, and for the listeners, I mean, I, I hope that is something that you can welcome into the this new uh, direction I'm going. I, I'm still going to talk about horror movies and stuff, but this is just something that I'm going to add on to the end of my show and to kind of, you know, do like a little sign-off for the end of the episode. I'm going to play a song that uh, a band wants me to play or, you know, submits or... I'm even going to reach out to people too. So it's not necessarily people that come to me necessarily. Um, but I just feel like it's it's a cool thing I could try to do. And, you know, we try to help each other out. Especially in these days where uh, I know it's hard for artists. And uh, and even filmmakers and actors. And, and you know, there's... Uh, yeah, this this whole pandemic really uh, took a blow on a lot of people, and there's a lot of people that are collecting unemployment right now. That uh, you know they just simply cannot work because either their jobs let them go, or uh, just the way that we have to uh, work protocol, they're just not able to. Like I know. Like, probably, like, a lot of, like, tattoo artists are probably out of work because of this. And, you know, I feel bad because there's a lot of talented artists out there. And, you know, I just, you know, I feel bad. I I wish there was a way I could help. Um, But, you know, I myself am struggling, but I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, You know, just everybody is having hardships right now. And it, it fucking sucks. And I, you know, just like everybody, I think... I just, I just hope, I hope everything gets better. And, uh, you know, with these vaccines coming out, I hope that, uh, that they do work and, uh, and that we don't have, uh, side effects of the shit that we're injecting in our bodies years later. I know I'm kind of getting off to a conspiracy theory type thing, but, uh, like right now, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I'm kind of against these vaccines. I know it sounds like a, a terrible person of me, but uh, I just, uh, I don't know. I try to follow my gut in a lot of things. And, uh, you know, I just I just practice safe protocols. And, and uh, you know, knock on wood, I haven't been uh, sick with COVID or anything like that. But uh, I just feel like if you just be safe about things, um, I think you're gonna be all right, but uh, you know, if you feel like you need the vaccine, by all means, get the vaccine. I just, I like how here in America, that uh, things are a choice. You have a choice, so you can either get it or not. But uh, <laughs> but 
for my listeners that do not give a shit about me rambling on, uh, I apologize. I just, I feel like I, I need to say that and, uh, just kind of put my two cents in it. But, uh, th- this all comes around to, I wanted to help the, the, the music artists that are suffering as well, because, you know, they can't play live shows, um, they're kind of stuck to virtual live shows. I've seen some bands do that. But, uh, you know, I just want to try to help everybody out. And uh, so if, if you know a band or are in a band and you think it's cool to uh, maybe uh, hit me up with an email or uh, just reach out to me on social media and be like, hey, uh, you know, Play, you can play one of our songs on one of your shows, and, uh, and in return, I will I will play your song entirely on the show towards the end of my episodes, and uh, also plug in where to find your music, like you know via Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. I mean, you know, Bandcamp, anywhere that you have your music available for people to listen to or to follow you. Uh, you know, you might be one of my listeners' uh, f- favorite bands or favorite artists one day. You never know. So uh, I know I got a, a few metal bands lined up uh, to already kick this thing off. And uh, I will mention the artists a little bit later after I talk about the movie. But uh, I guess I'll just say the band name now. Uh, the Archimedes Death Ray will be my first band to showcase on Rude Horror Music Corner. I'm excited to to talk about that because uh, I know the front man from the band. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about him because he himself uh, is a person that loves the horror genre and is, is heavily invested in the horror genre. But anyways... So to talk a little bit more about Silent Night, Bloody Night, uh, on Christmas Eve from the 1950s, uh, a Wilfred Butler dies in a burning accident outside his mansion in East Willard, Massachusetts. The residence is... uh, The residence is uh, left to his grandson, Jeffrey. And so 20 years later which would make it 1970, um, a lawyer, John Carter, arrives on Christmas Eve with his assistant, Ingrid, and uh, they are being inquired to uh, sell Jeffrey's house. And so uh, they meet with, like, the townspeople that are leading the citizens, kind of like the mayor and, like, you know, the sheriff and some of the counselors, and then, like, the mute Charlie Talman, who is played by John Carradine, uh, who owns the local newspaper there. And, uh, and there's also Tess Howard, who operates the town uh, telephone switchboard, which, uh, you know, I jump back to uh, Black Christmas. There's the... Uh, incidents where this the town's telephone switchboard plays a part in that film they have the same thing in this film previously to that movie and so she plays uh 
a part in this. I wouldn't say a big part or a minor part. She's kind of she just she plays a part in this movie, and uh, you know a lot of you probably have seen Black Christmas before this film, so you can you'll see the similarities going forth into this. But um, so they make a deal that uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey wants to sell the house for a bargaining price of fifty thousand dollars. And uh, in which Jeffrey wants them to pay cash the next day. So they kind of have no time to negotiate. They either want to buy it or they don't. Um, they kind of quickly agree to buy it. And uh, because they're, you know, if you watch the film, there's some things that they don't want uh, the wide public to know about. And... Uh, And so, uh, you know, soon after uh, that scene takes place, uh, our main guy, uh, Carter and Ingrid, spend the night at the Butler Mansion. And they, you know, they have some wine drinks and are getting drunk. And he's pretty much seducing her. He's kind of got like that... Uh, that that basically smokers uh voice and he's he's using it really well he's uh pretty much coaxing her into uh uh seducing her and whatnot uh so they end up making love and soon after they are brutally murdered in bed by an axe by an unseen killer all we see is his black leather gloves and uh, just very, uh, very dark outfittingly. And uh, we see just uh, a lot of, this is where like the okay gore was. I mean, it was really bloody. You could definitely tell it was fake. And... Uh, but one of, one of the uh, interesting things is after he kills both of them, he places a crucifix on Ingrid's hand. And uh, then he proceeds to call the sheriff's office. And he introduces himself as the house's owner and asks, uh, asks the police officer to investigate Carter's disappearance. And this has all happened so fast because he's like, you know, wait a second. Like, what? Well, He's missing, uh, but, you know, this caller is acting very persistent. And then uh, he ends up getting switched over to uh, Tess, which is the uh, telephone switchboard lady. He, The killer uh, calls himself Mary Ann. So that is something that, uh, that plays a big part. So then uh, Jeffrey... Uh, arrives at the mansion to meet with Carter, but he finds it locked and empty. He drives the mayor home where uh, he meets Diane, which is the mayor's daughter. And the mayor, the mayor has gone to the county's bank to obtain the money that uh, Jeffrey was wanting. So uh, she 
kind of steers Jeffrey uh, to the sheriff's office. And at the same time, the sheriff is heading to the mansion. But he first stops at Wilfred Butler's disturbed gravesite. Uh, where he is beaten to death with a shovel. And uh, that that doves the sheriff in, so to speak. So they're trying to find the sheriff. And, you know, he's obviously dead, but they don't know it. And so uh, Jeffrey and Diane go to uh, the mayor's home. And then that's where Diane tells him that she's been receiving phone calls for her father, for someone named Marianne, who uh, bothers her at the mansion that we will soon see. But, uh, it, you know, with these scenes, a lot of these scenes kind of just like splice right to the point, like to where they're going. And that's one of the reasons why I don't really care about this movie is because of all the, the sloppy editing. I think if maybe this movie was edited a little bit better, that uh, this could have been a, a hell of a lot better film. But, uh, you know, a lot of people can probably forgive that kind of stuff. But I just, I don't know. It just, it, it, I'll just kind of say that it, it bothered me a little bit. <laughs> Not gonna lie, like I know a lot of movies do that kind of shit, but with this film, it kind of did bother me. But uh, again, that's just my opinion. So, uh, as as weird as uh, the things is, that's going on and just how all over the place this movie is, uh, we get back to Jeffrey and Diane. Uh, the, they agree to go to the mansion. But on their way there, they stop to see uh, Diane's father's sheriff uh, vehicle has been abandoned. And they're trying to find him. They don't find him. So then they end up going towards uh, the newspaper office where they meet Charlie. And he informs them that Tess has gone to the mansion. So... Uh, Jeffrey and Charlie go after her while Diane researches the Butler house's history in the archives. Diane manages to piece together the Butler's story that uh, in 1930, Wolfred's wife had died of tuberculosis. And then in 1933, his 15-year-old daughter, Marianne, was raped and got pregnant. The son she gives birth to is Jeffrey. So, holy shit, we're starting to uh, figure out uh, a little bit about what the hell is going on. And so he was sent away, but 20 years later, he's back. Um, or not 20 years later, but uh, so for some time he was sent off. And then uh, in 1935, Wilfred converted the mansion to a mental hospital. And then he had his own daughter, Marianne, committed. So, Tess also comes to the mansion. And uh, she finds the sheriff's car is running outside. And then in the foyer, she is greeted by the unseen killer. 
who bludgeons her to death with a candlestick. So there's another brutal death scene that we get. Um, Jeffrey, meanwhile, arrives at Tessa's house and finds it completely empty. After which he returns to Diane's at the newspaper office. Um, Diane tells Jeffrey that, based on her research, pretty much tells him everything of, of what's going on. That uh, his mother had not died during childbirth that he thought. And, uh, so he, you know, he learns this, all this information of what's going on. They end up, uh, going back to the mansion. And when they go towards the mansion, they pass Charlie's car, which had been set on fire previously to them arrival, to them arriving. And, uh, Charlie throws himself at Jeffrey's car and Jeffrey runs him over, killing him, which that was pretty freaking crazy of something to do i don't i don't know why the fuck he would do that but it happened and so they uh stop the car they look at uh charlie's hands have been cut off which is really fucking random uh so they end up making their way to the mansion jeffrey finds his grandfather's diary in the foyer which reveals that he was the one that got Marion pregnant. So he figures out his dad is his grandfather. So this dude raped his own daughter. And, you know, Jeffrey is born and he has to live with knowing that uh that his grandpa is his father. It's it's fucked up. And uh so uh, the diary kind of explains a little bit about Wolfred and that how he grew hostile towards the hospital staff and was just going off on tantrums. So on Christmas Eve, he freed all the hospital patients and it just caused a fucking riot at this mental institution. And uh, in result, his daughter Marion died because of just all the fucking loonies running wild and kills her. Um, but he ends up faking his own death in 1950 and has been living uh, in a nearby mental hospital ever since without anyone knowing who he is. So Jeffrey tells Diane that his grandfather is his father and that he's still alive. And so, as all this is kind of uh, coming, however you will, full circle. <laughs> uh, and so, the sheriff and Tess and uh, Charlie Talman and the mayor, they were all in, former inmates of Wilfred's, uh, Wilfred's uh, insane asylum. And, they sought re and Wilfred sought revenge for the death of Marianne. So, this is where you, I guess you learn that the townspeople are not as innocent as they seem because they're involved in Marianne's death. So, this is why Wilfred is seeking revenge on them and is killing them one by one. But, towards the end here, when the mansion, or uh, when the mayor arrives at the mansion, uh, 
he's armed with a rifle and uh when he enters him and jeffrey open fire at one another and they end up killing each other but jeffrey is not the killer like uh some red herrings have believed that he was the killer but he is not uh as we learned that you know he knew that his father grandfather is the killer and that he is still alive uh so the granddad reveals himself to be an older wilford butler and diane grabs jeffrey's gun and shoots him dead so there's our finale diane is our final girl she kills jeffrey's dad grandpa <laughs> Uh, in, in this fucked up twist of uh, a slasher slash jello film. Uh, years later, or not not years later, a year later, Diane takes one last look at the Butler Mansion before it is destroyed by bulldozers. And then that's the end. Um, it, it was, <laughs> to be honest, this thing was a chore to get through and I'm sure it was probably a chore listening to me. Uh, I know I like this fucking briefed through this thing, but, uh, Ooh, this for, uh, Christmas horror film, this thing was a doozy. Uh, but like I said, there are. Uh, fragments of this that uh, I can't appreciate. Uh, you know, thus, this is a, a piece th to the uh, horror genre puzzle that is ever growing. I think it, it has its place on on the picture. So, um, let me know what you guys think about this movie. It definitely wasn't one that uh, I want to see anytime soon, but. Uh, you know, let me know, is this something that, uh, am I missing that, uh, you know, I need to revisit this? Is there like a better release of this? Because, uh, the audio issues definitely, uh, played a part into me not liking this film as much. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on this and happy holidays to everybody and uh, a happy new year because I'll be releasing this before new year so i hope everybody has a great holiday season uh despite the fucking pandemic um i just hope you all are safe and uh you know we'll we'll get through this together and uh yeah i i do want to say if you want to support the podcast you can go to uh my anchor site and uh click on the supporter button and you can donate uh as low as like a dollar or a dollar or two or you can be generous and donate like five to ten dollars a month it would be so much appreciative if you can support the podcast because that kind of helps me uh pretty much fuel this thing to keep going and uh to create uh new content especially if you're a supporter uh, you let me know what 
movie or topic that you want to talk about, and I will talk about on the show, guaranteed. Uh, all you have to do is email me at rudehorror at gmail.com and just send me an email like, hey, uh, my name is John Doe. I'm a supporter of the podcast, and here is my pick uh, or topic that I want you to talk about on the show. And I will get back to you. I'm pretty good about emailing people back. So just send me a message either in my email or on my social media at Rude Horror Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or I am on Twitter at Rude Horror Pod. And just uh, talk to me, man. And, uh, you know, let me know that if you are a supporter, I will try to accommodate. Uh, what it is that you want me to talk about in the show or, you know, steer my uh, topic direction onto something, just let me know. And, uh, yeah, I, but uh, that's about all I have for you guys. Um, the crazies will most likely be up next. I know that this is very high on my list to do. Uh, I got some exciting uh news to share with uh the crazies episode that should be a fun one to talk about uh, but real quick i just want to plug in some of the the people that i support and people that i think maybe you should check out uh i had mentioned like matt gagney over at the fun box monster podcast check out their podcast too uh if you like listening to multiple horror podcasts definitely add fun box monster podcast to your uh artillery of horror podcast listening they are fantastic fucking podcasts i listen to them all the time they come out with great content all the time and it's mostly horror related stuff so if you're a horror fan like me they are someone that uh definitely helped me get through the work hours and in my free time whenever i have free time i like to listen to those guys also Check out PaulBearPress.com. The clothing quality is just superb. I can't uh, put them over enough. If you love horror memorabilia or like horror merchandise like shirts, hats, koozies, definitely check them out. Uh, I just got a Return of the Living Dead long sleeve from them, and it's, it's fantastic as always quality-wise, and I love it so much. Uh, yeah, check them out at paulbearpress.com. Follow them on social media at paulbearpress. Also want to mention Midwest Monster Fest is a horror and pop culture convention that will take place in East Moline at the Rust Belt next September 3rd, 4th, and 5th. It's going to be a hell of a fun time. So if you're in the Iowa, Illinois area or want to travel towards this neck of the woods, uh, Definitely check out MidwestMonsterFest.com. Check out all the celebrities that they have lined up. Uh, I know uh, Clint Howard is a newer one that I haven't mentioned yet, but uh, he's going to be at Midwest Monster Fest. Uh, tons of other celebrities I've, I've talked about in the past, but uh, for more information, go to MidwestMonsterFest.com. Get your tickets now. I know I got my tickets, so let me know if you're going and... Uh, and maybe we'll we'll meet up and we'll hang out, talk about horror shit, and uh, buy a beer or something. 
So, alright. This is towards the end of the episode where Rude Horror Music Corner starts. The Archimedes Death Ray Veil of Lies is our first Rude Horror Music Corner uh, band and song that I'm going to be showing. Uh, they have disbanded, but uh, I'm still friends with the frontman Izzy. And, uh, you know, they're a kick-ass metal band, or they were a kick-ass metal band from the Quad Cities, where I'm locally from. So if you like to uh, hear a little bit of, of the past, uh, I think they were a band. Um, I don't know exactly when they uh, first came about, but uh, some of their music is up on uh, a YouTube channel, uh, The Death Ray Official. Or you can just look them up, The Archimedes Death Ray. And they have several of their songs up available on YouTube. Uh, but this one I'm going to be showcasing, Veil of Lies. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, if you like more of, of this band, go check out the YouTube page of where you can hear some of their songs. Uh, unfortunately, they're not a band anymore. But um, Izzy has uh, directed a few horror films, his newest one being Spring Fever, which I played a small part being a zombie extra in it. And uh, I'm very excited to uh, see this being released on DVD Blu-ray. Um, it's one of the last um, appearances by the maniac cop himself, Robert Czar. Uh, he is in the movie, and uh, it's just, it's a fun horror zombie film that uh i think you guys would appreciate uh he is also a special effects artist he's graduated from tom savini's special effects school just an all-around cool guy he is now a part of the uh, midwest monster fest film fest so he helps uh get uh submissions for that so if you have your own movie that you want submitted to a film festival, hit up Midwest Monster Fest Film Fest, and maybe you can get your movie played at the uh, Midwest Monster Fest uh, September 2021. Izzy also has his own website, www.starvingcorpseproductions.com. You can uh, get a little bit more info on the movies that he's worked on, and as well as his QC Creature Shop that is on his website. Or uh, he's also on Etsy.com where uh, he sells some of the stuff that he makes like uh, masks, uh, wall mounts, and uh, magnets. And then uh, some of the movies that he has already released. And uh, a lot of uh, like the magnets and the wall mount are all like hand sculpted. And they look badass. Uh, so check it out. You might have a, a new favorite horror Etsy shop that you never knew that you would encounter. Uh, just look up QC Creature Shop on Etsy. Or, like I said, you can go to starvingcorpseproductions.com and uh, you can check out what he has for sale on there as well. Um, but one thing about uh, this song, Veil of Lies... Uh, this song is actually on the Bus Party to Hell movie. 
starring Tara Reid. So if you've seen that movie, uh, this song might be familiar to you. I think uh, when I was talking to Izzy, I think he said that the song was played twice in the movie. So that's also a little cool tidbit information for you. So, yeah. You know, I would definitely like to have Izzy on the show and just talk about horror in general because he's a cool dude. He's got a lot of knowledge about horror. Um, so, yeah, we'll make that happen one of these days. But uh just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. I'm sorry for my absence for, like, it's been like a couple weeks since I put some out. Uh, just, you know, life can get a little chaotic. Uh, I'm trying to make something... Uh, uh, once a week at least uh but in my defense a couple weeks ago i did put uh two episodes up back to back so hopefully you guys were entertained by that but otherwise i try to give you guys content pretty frequently but uh i do what i can do well so enjoy the archimedes death ray veil of lies now and thank you all so much for listening stay tuned for the next one
listening to the Rude Horror Podcast. If you like this content and would like to hear future episodes, please follow or subscribe. If you dare.